It's January 7th, 1995, and When I Come Around by Green Day is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. It's 1995, you bing-bong-boom-buzz. Hello and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Trav. I'm Quillen. I'm Alec. And this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about When I Come Around, the fourth single from Green Day's album, Dookie. When I Come Around spent seven weeks at number one. Here's a clip. So go do what you like Make sure you do it guys doing great yeah happy to be back (laughs) yeah it's been uh it's been a long long december (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so today we're talking about our third green day song our third song from dookie uh this is the fourth single i believe we skipped over welcome to paradise which peaked at number seven and uh, she will follow shortly after. Um, so this song, I, I think, might have, in the mainstream, been the most successful of the Dookie singles. On the mainstream rock chart, this went to number two. And then I got kind of conflicting info about the, t- about the, the top 40. Um, Billboard said that this song went to number two on the pop charts. And both Wikipedia and Song Facts said that it went to number six on the top forty. But either way, this it was like a this was a big crossover success. What do you think of the song? Uh, so I guess um, not much. It is like uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, so I guess I kept reading that this song was described as a ballad, which struck hmm. me as really weird because yeah. it's not. When I think of a ballad, I think of a song you slow dance to at a middle school dance. Mm-hmm. And this isn't that, but it's no. also not like, you know, it's not jaded. It's not, um, you know, something pretty wild or anything like that. It's a down-tempo um, pop-punk song. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a ballad, though. Agreed. Yeah. And it's just about as basic as it gets. Um, and, and that can be fine. Uh, that's I probably shouldn't say it so disparagingly, but, like, um, I still don't think that much of it. Hmm. I don't know. What were you going to say? I I don't hate it. Um I think it is better than a lot of songs that were on the radio at this time, sure, but uh Yeah, I mean it's a weaker track on uh Dookie, I think overall. Um I don't know. It's uh yeah, it's it, I think it the the melody is perfectly good. Um 
I just think that the song is pretty boring. Um, Mike Durnt kills it. Um, maybe he overplays it a lot, but uh, <laughs> um, it's a memorable bass line, and um, that's cool. Uh, it does seem to be at odds with like the other instruments, right? Like the bass is going much. like a hundred miles an hour, and then like the guitar and drums are just kind of like plodding along. Well, the, the drums are a little busy, aren't they? Yeah, a little. But here's it, it's like <laughs> Durnt is like um, trying to be lockstep with everything that Trey is doing is what it sounds mm-hmm. like to me. Like not just synced up with the kick drum, but like he's also trying to sync up with all the snare hits and all of that stuff. And it, <laughs> yeah, it's I guess, silly. <laughs> I guess when I'm thinking about the song rhythmically, um, I'll say the negative thing and then I'll move on to the positive thing. But, um, you know, ultimately I think it's the fault of the guitar riff. The guitar riff plays straight. And then there's that hit. There's like the dun, 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 boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And I, I am not a fan of when there's like, like a repeated hit like that. I feel like it slows down the momentum of the song. And I think it would be one thing if the bass and drums were playing it totally straight while the guitar was doing that. Yeah, hit. Yeah. But Trey cool is hitting the crash on that hit. And yeah. I don't like it. I don't like what it does to the momentum of the song. I love what it does. Uh, I love the intro of the song and how the drums come in. Um, yeah. off of that hit like the the fill is it's a really basic drum fill but it it just sounds really good it's a really cool move i think um, yeah I, i'm into what Durnt is doing i think that he's doing a good job of like keeping up momentum and keeping things interesting and and getting some melody into the song you know i think that uh it's easy to 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 understand why people are drawn to the song and i can sort of remember why i was drawn to the song it's just that chorus is so neat and appealing you know that no time to search the world around because i know because you know where i'll be found (laughs) (laughs) and then the break and you know and then going back into the riff i mean it feels it feels good it's a pretty good song it was just so such a simple thing i remember like uh i had a high school band that covered this song and plush and that might have been it it might have been like those two (laughs) songs and then like oh maybe uh my own worst worst enemy Mm-hmm. And and it was just sort of like the broadest sort of thing. I don't know that any of us really felt passionately about it, but it was like, oh, that's a song that is on the radio, you know? It, yeah. It, it was like, yeah, of the Dookie singles, this seems the least um, um, specific, the least, uh, like there's the least amount of character to it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, my my high school band, our eighth grade band, also covered My Own Worst Enemy, but there was a, a, a funky twist. The Ugh. guitar lick was played by a saxophone. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Who who played that saxophone? Uh, that was a friend of the podcast, Scott Wiedemeyer, who mm. we already shouted out to in the uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket episode. So thank you, Scott. Cool. You know, we had like Scott, we had like ska songs and funky songs, but then sometimes we just wanted to rock, but we had the saxophonist. Mm. Got to incorporate uh, it. Forgive me, Scott, but <laughs> sometimes we didn't know what to do with you in eighth grade. Hey, Al, uh-huh. can, 
care to share what the name of this band was? Uh, the name of this band was Butta, as in smooth-like. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and uh, we played the middle school talent show. That's the only thing we ever played. And without understanding what I was saying, we played It's All Been Done by the Bare Naked Ladies. Mm. And at the Would You Just Yawn and Say... Uh, Alec, the bassist, I was not the lead singer, I got up on the mic and said, do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> and that, <laughs> it, was, it was 1998, and I didn't know what it meant to be horny. <laughs> <laughs> and when I showed this video of our performance to my mom, she was like, oh, Alec. And I was just like, What? <laughs> <laughs> So that's great. That's a that very great. 1998 story. <laughs> uh, uh, the guitar solo is real nice on this song. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's nice. It is not rip. It's not a no. shredding solo. No. no. But it's, it's just kind nice, of a nice subtle chimes. A little bit of a yeah, yeah. It's chimey. It's uh, semi melodic. It's uh, it's all right. It's better yeah. when I think about it than when I hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay that's yeah i know what you mean <laughs> I don't um know. It's fine. A, f- a few sources suggest that this song is about billy's long distance relationship to his girlfriend while on tour mm. um in that context when i come around would be basically when i swing by back home mm-hmm. um it seems like he had a little bit of a start and stop romance with his partner, but they um, ended up having two kids and they are still married. Hmm. Hooray. Anything, any other insights into, uh, into what the song's about? No, I mean, it's gotta be that right. Long distance relationship and like they're, it's strained and they're kind of uh, worried about their position with the other party. And yeah, yeah. whatever. There is some real, classic archetypal 90s lyrics in here i'm a loser and a user so i don't need no accuser to try and slag me down because i know you're right it's just like loser creep self-esteem all (laughs) all packed up in in a one little couplet yeah that's uh more than i had to say about the lyrics i just thought it was Mm. like they were so neutral like everything was like a placeholder like it was just like the most vague thing he could come up with for every line except for like i don't know maybe there was a line or two which helped kind of define the song but overall it was just like like you could read the lyrics and just totally like have your eyes glaze over there's a lot of self-deprecation in in billy joe armstrong's lyrics and i was really drawn to self-deprecation as a kid I, I don't, in retrospect, I don't think I understood the difference between modesty and self-pity, which is a pretty important distinction. But I think because I equated those two things, I always thought that self-pity was like a, an admirable trait. It was like a virtue. Do you think he just thought he was being clever to use those words and make them rhyme? <laughs> it is quite an, an internal rhyme. It's a mm. triple internal rhyme. Whew. Cool. Yeah, with this, when we're when we're really focusing on the Dookie singles, the formula does start to feel slightly monotonous. And I think mm-hmm. of the singles, you know, the first one, Longview, is the most interesting musically. And then mm-hmm. if we're just talking about straightforward pop appeal, Basket Case is probably the best straightforward one. 
So this one pales a bit in comparison, mm-hmm. but it's a good song. I, I'd say it's about as good as Welcome to Paradise in my mind. They're pretty similar songs to me. Oh, wow. I think Welcome mm-hmm. to Paradise is kind of badass. And I think this song, I think my mom might like this song. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, great. There's five chords all Maud. together. Maud likes this song. <laughs> Shout out to Maud. There's five chords all together, right? I mean, it's like the four in the verse, and then there's like another mm-hmm. chord that happens in the chorus, and that's it. And it's just like, you know, and then the solo's kind of pretty, and, uh, you know, you play this on uh, adult contemporary radio. And Welcome yeah, to Paradise songs... is kind of kind of gnarly. Yeah. I, I don't guess know. So. Maybe Gnarl- that's more gnarlier like, than this. Lyrics. Yeah, maybe sure. maybe more like uh lyrically. Um but maybe also musically. You know what I was thinking about this song? It's really fundamentally it's a ballad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What? This is not a particularly interesting music video, but at the same time, it's one of the better music videos we've seen. Yeah, I I noted that uh, my notes say most interesting video we've seen so far. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think uh, their hair situation is interesting. Uh, Trey Cool's hair is Trey Cool. <laughs> and uh, Bill, uh, Billy Joe's hair looks great. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got. No, I, yeah, no, but the, the 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 Green Day the Green Day look from this time period is it's compelling in its way. Uh, I mean, it, it became yeah, a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I also felt like um, the non-band shots were dream like dreamscapey, like. I felt Lynchian a little bit, um, to me, um, like a mix of like noir and dreamscape kind of thing. Yeah. I thought a little Hitchcockian mm. had a little bit of a rear window mm. vibe where mm. it seems like there, each character kind of gazes off into the distance and, mm. and sort of, um, vicariously views someone else's life and then we shift to that person and they look off in the distance and we follow their gaze and mm. um yeah the color's really saturated mm-hmm. and uh uh yeah it's it definitely it's an appealing video yeah i i liked it fine i thought it was probably the best one yet wow uh this song is three minutes i couldn't make it through the video without just drifting off and and looking out the window sure at something else I, yeah I just, we haven't I we haven't seen good videos people the the labels are not pouring money into these videos yeah yeah i mean i don't know do you think it's just kind of like this uh stylish thing from the era where like there's not really a purpose and it's just all these like kind of touchstones where they're like, well, you got to have like these bright colors and then yeah. you gotta have these weird, like, like maybe a fisheye lens or like, you know, yeah. like next like episode. That. I mean, the good video is my feelings are virtually identical and it has virtually an identical look. Yeah. Yeah. Chord progression too. Um, huh. Yeah. I see some similarities. Maybe not the exact same thing. Mm. This is the one five six four 
that will propel Blink-182 into existence for you chord theory freaks. <laughs> it's the... It's da, 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 which will be turns into the... Which will also be What's My Age Again. Also... Yeah, you said it. What's My Age Again. That's the one I was thinking of. Yep. Okay, well, let's talk about albums. We've already talked about Dookie. So uh, then we moved on and we talked about Insomniac. And since we will not have another Green Day hit in 1997, we're going to go ahead and talk about Nimrod. Let's do it. Yeah. So I owned this album. I don't really remember when exactly I bought it, but I owned it and I liked it a decent amount. And then at some point I sold it and I, uh, I, I, I was kind of excited to re-listen to it. What's your past relationship to Nimrod? I, I never listened to it all the way through um, until uh, prepping for this. Um, I was familiar with, I think I was familiar with more of the singles than I realized. Um, what was the uh, redundant, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot that that was a single. Um, but... Uh, Good riddance. I hated um, back then. Um, I actually think it's kind of good. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. Um, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> it, it, Shut up. It's really pretty. <laughs> the strings are awesome. It's a really pretty song. Um, yeah, my, my my reflection on on good riddance because we we are gonna have to stop and talk about each of these things. Um, it's really pretty much one hundred percent the strings. Yes. I, I don't I don't think there's a whole lot going on in that song. Apparently it, no. it had been sitting around for a while. And then Armstrong yeah. decided that they'd use the song for this album because it was turning out to be sort of an eclectic album. I think and I, this is I read that he was like uh it, it was potentially for Dookie. Um Oh really? Yeah. Well, Rob Cavallo, who works with the band again on this album, he suggested adding the strings. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that this was a a very um, vivid anecdote. He sent the band, the producer Rob Cavallo, sent the band to play foosball in another room mm-hmm. while he recorded the strings. And he said it took about 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour at the most. And uh, he reflected on his decision. He said, I knew we had done the right thing. I knew it was a hit the second I heard it. Um, I do think it's a good string arrangement. There's like a little Irish lilt to yep. the solo. And there's this very cinematic low end mm-hmm. um, to the string arrangement. And when I say cinematic, uh, of course, went on to be featured in a, uh, apparently, from what I hear, a very moving episode of ER mm. and the final episode of Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the strings kind of remind me of Jars of Clay. <laughs> now it all makes sense. So oh let my. me get this straight. Oh, you shat upon all so many of these songs that we've covered, and we get to Good Riddance, and you're like, actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> good Riddance of all the songs. I you're good with that. Think that it is better than I gave it credit for when I was a child. <laughs> all right. Um, listen, I, Al, you did nail it though. It, it's all about the strings. Nothing else about the song is good. It's the string. The strings are beautiful. Um, I. I I question Rob Cavallo's statement about recording 
the strings in 20 minutes um did he did he play the string parts did he no, record no, them no, individually no. No, like he, what he is recorded he other okay. people playing the string okay parts. um i did i just uh, want to make sure you're saying surely no one could have recorded a sound so angelic in 20 minutes <laughs> says aaron quillen <laughs> that's not what i'm saying uh i'm gonna move along to okay. uh the other single hitching a ride which i loved when i was a kid and does not quite hold up um it's better than good riddance don't worry travis <laughs> I, um it's but, your show buddy uh, trey cool rules on hitching a ride he his drumming is awesome on it super mm. awesome huh. um the octave guitar solo is cool yeah. Um, I know, Al, you have mentioned um, your distaste for the chord progression. I well, believe. you know what? I listened back, and it never actually hits the five. It's yeah, not a. It's it's just dun, a four. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. It's a. Yep. Dun, 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 yep. Dun, 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 dun. yep. So yeah, it's it goes better, to the right? six. But I will say. Um, Wikipedia mentioned that Hitch and a Ride has a Stray Cats vibe, which I didn't know what that meant. So I had to look it up mm. and, and discover that it, it's Brian Setzer's yeah. band. I, yeah. well, I wasn't aware. And I listened to their hit Stray Cat Strut, and that was the epitome of the chord progression. Oh, I, I see. Well, Although I, I will say I kind of liked Brian Setzer's guitar playing, and I was kind of like, sure. what, if I, what if I like this? Uh, <laughs> but that was like a bump, bump, a dump, bump, yeah. a dump, mm-hmm. a da da, which is just the worst musical thing. And ugh. I, I always liked Rock This Town by the Stray Cats. Um, that's a pretty decent song. I, I think I know that one. Um. I I was pretty like I was relatively thrilled by listening to Nimrod. I liked it more than Insomniac. Um it's too long, too many songs, but um I don't know, there were some really really good songs on it. Um Nice Guys Finish Last is an awesome opener. Um The Grouch and Redundant back to back are awesome power pop songs. Um Those were like the highlights for me. Prosthetic Head, the closer, I really like as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, not every song is great, but I think that had they cut it to like a 12-song album, it would be kind of awesome and maybe my second favorite Green Day yeah, album. Yeah, strong, strongly agree. If I can front load my complaints, it's 49 minutes. Yeah. That's way too long for a Green Day album. I felt like they could cut most of the second half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, I liked it a lot. Trav, what did you think? I thought the opposite of everything that both of you just said. You wanted it to be longer? I, <laughs> it wasn't long enough, and yet it was still bad. Um, it was, I, I thought the songs were so bland and that there were so few clear singles on this. Like listening to it where I just like started off and like, okay, hitching a ride, like I could see that being a single. But it sounded like every song that they were writing was like just a platform to like write a different melody. Um and kind of try to expand into like um a more fully formed pop band. Um and I guess I get that because this is 
fifth album, I believe. And they've probably explored everything that they could with like traditional kind of like punk songs. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like they, they wanted to try to push the envelope a little bit and, and try some different things out. And I can appreciate that, but it didn't seem like they were going anywhere. It was like they were spinning their wheels on like every song. I think I liked three songs on this album. Really? Yeah. And that was about it. Um, I loved prosthetic head. I thought that was awesome. And that was like, to me, that was clearly like the best song in the single. Like it should have been a hit. Um, I liked platypus, um, Mm -hmm. and walking alone specifically the harmonica part Hmm. and uh yeah i mean the other singles i was i could just stare at them blankly and that was about it i mean like nice guys finish last is like uh, that's an album track redundant is an album track nothing you didn't like redundant you're crazy no i didn't like it i like the video the video is very cool where they like layered over people coming in and doing different things oh it was i really didn't watch neat. that yeah it's it's worth checking out so yeah so redundant was a single it went to number 16 on the modern rock chart um and i see redundant as one of several just there's no other way to say it Beatles songs on this album i mean there's redundant there's scattered which is excellent and uh worry rock and worry rock even ends with like it is Note for note, it may as well be a cover of Nowhere Man. I don't know if you guys noticed that. The that and I'll guarantee you have good love. Making mm. all his nowhere plans for nobody. The chords are exactly the same. Everything is like it's just straight straight Beatles. Mm. But I really like all the Beatles songs. I I I, I and I like the, the range on the album. Um, Armstrong apparently mentioned London Calling as a mm-hmm. model, and I think I it's that. kind of a similar spread. Um, it's it's beefy, it's uh, chimey, it's it's surfy, and it sometimes it's kind of sweet. So there are ska horns um, on a song. That's yeah, there are ska songs on a song, which is is that that song's not very good. No, I don't like that song. It's uh, it's no doubts horn section. I read. Oh, that makes sense. Wow, mm-hmm. that just seems so crazy to me because like London Calling like is effective in like being like a double album that mm-hmm. covers all the bases mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. was like covering one base and like over and over and over with like different kind of like shades to, to me i that was that was how yeah. i heard it um yeah i mean i i enjoyed it uh me too i, I guess the one thing that we haven't talked about and travis i'm surprised that uh you weren't into this. I thought that Last Ride In was the highlight. That's the surf song that basically sounds like a very expensive Yola Tango instrumental. Yeah, instrumental song, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a shitty Burt Backrack cover. Well, that's you just described Yola Tango. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I was just like I, I think and, and it was it was cool. It was a cool idea to place a song like that in the middle of the album, uh-huh. but I just rolled my eyes when I heard it. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I have to say about the album is we've mentioned Nice Guys Finish Last a couple times. That's just part of, uh, I just feel like it illustrates this curious thing about the charts at this time, which is how long it could take a song to get recognition and how long a shelf life an album can have. Nice Guys Finish Last 
peaked at number 31 on the charts, and I don't remember if that happened in 1999, two years after the album came out, but definitely that song got more attention, not from being on Nimrod, but from being on the Varsity Blues soundtrack two years later. So these songs are getting these like second lives, you know, years later. And again, we'll talk about this in the next episode with Better Than Ezra as well. Um, this weirdly long kind of process of, of selling an album. It can last years and, and singles can come out years later than the album and still be successful. I'm sure the labels love it because they, mm-hmm. they, they sell that album for so many years. Yeah, everything definitely moved a lot slower pre-internet. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, gosh, I'm going to talk about something I, I have no knowledge of, but Travis, maybe you'll be able to, to correct me. But there was some, you know, you know, it was a legendary moment when the Beatles had occupied spots one through five on the Billboard chart in 1964. Um, but uh, in the Spotify era... I think that Drake occupied something like 15 spots on the top 40 uh, for a week or something like that after, you know, dropping an album. It just goes to show, you know, all of the, when you, everything hits at once, you know, in the streaming era, it's just so different from the nineties. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to name Sorry. each of the songs yeah. and <laughs> no. say specifically what uh, uh, you know expensive hotel room Drake is waiting for a phone call no, in. I, and... I, it, it might have something to do with just like people put the album on, like everybody puts the album on, and that's it, you know. And then like sure, most of the songs end up you know charting really high, you know. However, the streaming is counted. It's got to be a good album, though. You know, or coming people, uh, or coming off of a good album where everybody sure. checks it off, yeah, checks it out. Yeah, good, good, good call. All right, so uh, this week on the modern rock chart, better way, better man by Pearl Jam. Um, gives way to Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do by Van Halen. And then by the time that this song leaves the number one spot, Better Man has retaken the number one spot. Uh, We've already talked about Better Man, so we'll turn to our uh, Van Halen's number one fan, Travis Gravender. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to talk about Van Halen's 1995 album, Balance, and the single Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. Um, it is awesome. Holy cow. So like I went through and made a Spotify playlist of all the number one mainstream rock hits just to kind of check them out. And there were like two or three songs that jumped out to me out of like 40 or 50 as being like, whoa, these are awesome. And I think sometimes Van Halen gets like Van Halen's Van Halen's pretty great. And I think people dismiss them as being dumb and like lump them in with like Motley Crue and Poison and stuff like that. But like that guitar sound carried them from what, 79 or whenever their their first um, debut album was through like 95. I think this was probably their last 
sort of prominent album before they got to Gary Sharon and the third Van Halen iteration. But um, this song is awesome. Van Hagar is awesome. Um, and I think, I think it's worth kind of reevaluating. Um, it helps if you're um, a late 30s suburban dad to appreciate it. <laughs> God, that song just is, is just miserably awful. <laughs> so, I just I I I struggle with Van Halen in general, but I mean, I'll take the intro to Hot for Teacher any day. I mean, that's just there's just some amazing stuff going on there, but gosh, just stay out of the 90s. Like it's time to it's time to put your band down, man. Well, that's the kind of thing that love can do. Carry Van Halen <laughs> into the 90s with great strength. All right, I don't want to I don't want to yuck your yum. I have no thoughts on this. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Do you know the song? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on the pop chart, Here Comes the Hot Stepper has given away to Creep by TLC, which is a nice little period pop uh confection yeah both great songs um here comes the hot stepper from the ready to wear soundtrack which is a movie about fashion i think i didn't see it i just i just knew it from the video but man did i love that song (laughs) i'm realizing i i think i just i love music man music's great Van Halen, Ine Kamosi, yeah, I love give it, it to me. Whatever no, you got. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. Music is uh, music's number one. Music is a real blessing, <laughs> mm-hmm. just like friendship. Our friendship. Yeah. Yes. On the modern rock chart, just a couple things that I noticed: "Piggy" by Nine Inch Nails, which came in at number twenty. I honestly, I'm going to say, I, I, I never owned a copy of "The Downward Spiral." And I had not heard this song until several years ago when one of my bandmates put it on on tour. <laughs> and that song is heavy. And when I say heavy, I mean, like, not like, oh, they're playing the blues fast. I mean, like, heavy, like, every once in a while a song comes along and just, like, stomps on your brain in a weird way, like an unfamiliar way. And Piggy does that. Mm-hmm. I think that Piggy is a really cool just just ripping my guts out kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's great i i guess i don't i don't know that song uh-huh. i should i have recently in the last few years really come to love march of the pigs is that a nine inch nail song it is oh. and it's in you know seven what? eights and it is fast <laughs> and hard I'm going to go ahead and out myself here. I was thinking of March of the Pigs the whole time that I was talking about that song. Okay. Yeah, that (laughs) song. (laughs) Nice. Appreciate the honesty. Uh, Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's awesome, right? Oh, yeah. So, but Piggy was the song that charted? Piggy was the song that charted. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that song. edit this out of the podcast, though, now. (laughs) I think you should leave it. I think it's great. (laughs) 
The other thing that I was kind of puzzled by and surprised by, which also illustrates, once again, the longevity of an album on the charts, is Live Forever by Oasis has just now entered the chart at number 40. And, um, you know, it's not like it's a long time since Definitely Maybe came out. Definitely Maybe came out in 1994. But what's the story Morning Glory is about to come out in just like a month or two? So strange that Live Forever is just now charting. Pre-album release hype, baby. Yeah, I guess so. And, and man, I, I love Live Forever. Just just talk about classic rock vibes in just a good-feeling way. That's a great song. Yeah, agreed. Great song. I don't know that there's anything to add. It's just, it's just a great song. The singles from uh, Definitely Maybe are great. Yeah, Supersonic. Yeah. I mean, those are the two that I think of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good enough. I, I have mixed feelings about the album as a whole, uh, although they're generally positive. But uh, yeah, Live Forever is unimpeachable to me. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you want to rate when I come around? Yes. Yeah. I'll go first. I'll do it. Um, absolutely middle of the road. 2.5 times of your life. <laughs> nice. I have slightly more positive feelings. I'm going to give it 3.5 times of your life. Uh, yeah, I'll give it 3.25 Nimrods. Pretty good. All right. Aaron, the big fan, the number one, uh, <laughs> number one Nimrod boy. <laughs> uh, do, do we think that this is a Nirvana wannabe? Nah. Agreed. No. Yeah. Well, uh, Tell me all your thoughts on Pod is part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. You can email us about upcoming songs at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Email us a question and we'll discuss it at our earliest convenience or send us comments, memories, corrections, and complaints. If you send comments as a voice memo, we'd love to include them at the end of the show. Also, starting now, we have a Facebook group we'd love you to join. Just look for Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod, and uh, you'll find us, and we can chat and, uh, and have a good time. Listen along with our playlists on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. The address where you can find all those things is thoughtsonpod.podbean.com. And finally, uh, hey, coronavirus times, what, what you been watching on TV? Uh, you know, not much. Uh, YouTube videos, uh, Last Dance, uh, yeah. things of that nature. You ever seen these, you ever seen these Cars movies? Uh, no, I haven't actually. No. Man, the, the voice work is great. <laughs> You got Owen Wilson as Lightning McQueen. You got Larry the Cable Guy. He's great as Mater. He's kind of down home, kind of folksy, uh, comic relief character. Yeah. But uh, what I was watching the other day that I just was really, it took the wind out of me. Is there's this climactic moment in Cars 3. And Owen Wilson's voice work is just really gets to my soul it's the scene where lightning crashes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay okay
What what about it, Al? <laughs> well, it happens live <laughs> during a race. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll be talking about lightning crashes by live next week. Uh, bye. Bye. Oh, bye. <laughs>